Welcome to the Church in the Wild podcast. In this episode, we look at the importance and dynamics of casting vision in the new year. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of the Church in the Wild podcast. I'm Seth Trimmer, and here we go on our next episode. I want to start by thanking everyone who has listened so far. To be honest with you, I just started this as a little bit of a pet project. It's been something I've been really passionate about wanting to do. Uh, I, I love all the ideas and conversations that I've been able to experience and process over the last few years. I've been very privileged to have so many really cool friendships and, and encounters with a lot of great leaders that I respect. And I just wanted to record them and make sure a lot of the amazing stories and wisdom and thoughts and ideas that I've been uh, encountering have, have, could get put out there and be made at least available to a small circle of people. Um, but uh, I honestly, I'm just very encouraged. There's a lot of you that tuned in and listened and you've already given me some, some pretty cool feedback. And so thank you for that. Thank you to everyone who gave us a shout out on social media for sure. Thank you to uh, anyone who helped spread the word about this. And I just want to say that for me, this is, guys, this is just a beginning. And I'm hoping that this is the beginning of a lot of really cool things uh, for this podcast, both in terms of content, uh, the technical development of it, um, and even my ability to to create some really a compelling moment for you to join into and really feel like you're going to benefit from. So thanks for joining with this little journey. Uh, I'm hoping that, that it's only just up and to the right from here, um, but uh, it's looking like it's going to be a very, very exciting year. All the names of guests that are starting to line up now, I'm really encouraged about. And so we're going to just try to put out as many episodes episodes as we can. I've been asked kind of how frequently I plan on posting these episodes, and I would really love to do it on a weekly basis, although that's not something I can promise in stone. Uh, I do have a wife and four children and a church, and uh, I'm coaching one of my kids' basketball uh, teams this uh, winter. There's a lot going on. I'm a man who's uh, not looking for additional responsibilities or activities. This is something I really do enjoy. This is a passion of mine. So I'm just going to try to post them as often as I can, hopefully shooting for about once a week, but I might not totally be able to quite get there, especially on the front end here as I'm trying to stack up as many interviews as I can uh, to to build up uh, for, for the future. But I got a few ideas that I wanted to share with you guys today. Uh, There's something that has really been piquing my interest as we've jumped into 2018 and a brand new year, because this is the time of year that for a lot of leaders, a lot of churches, even if you're not in the church world, the nonprofit world, the business world, I mean, this is a time for a lot of people that they begin to reconsider their lives and direction of where they're going. This is really a time, in my estimation, to reconsider the vision of our life and to estimate and evaluate how well or not well we're doing in accordance with that. I mean, the most cliche of all these things is the whole uh, health, going to the gym, New Year's sorts of resolutions. We want to lose weight. We want to get in shape. We want to actually start uh, growing muscles or whatever we want to do to improve kind of our physical lifestyle. And I've already seen it. I work out uh, at a small little workout room we have in our community. It's already getting busier and busier over the last week and a half. I anticipate. Uh, I've been I've been alone in that work room, workout room uh, every single day that I work out uh, for the last you know nine months easily, and I anticipate I'll only have to wait maybe a month or two, and I'll be alone again. But it's been fairly crowded up to this point. Some of you that might work out consistently might be seeing that already. I certainly hope that for people that are trying to make exercise a regular part of their lifestyle and rhythm, that they're able to continue and hold on. But the reality is, is that uh, no matter what our specific resolution might be, no matter what we're looking at the vision of our life and determining where we need to upgrade, 
we all need to evaluate the vision of our life and use some kind of metric to determine how we're actually doing at it. Churches are no different. And a church in the wild, part of that idea and concept simply just means that nothing goes ideally. Nothing ever goes smoothly up and to the right. Nothing ever just... Uh, progresses on a track that is always ever improving without ever any setbacks or, or that don't come without major sacrifice or inconvenience. And so with all of that in mind, with the variety of circumstances that are, I believe, making church Maybe not uniquely difficult in the sense that it's, it's certainly been difficult in times past, and, and certainly there's places even still on the earth today where persecution is a very real thing, and there's a lot of limiting external factors that make doing church extremely difficult. But in our age, we definitely have our issues and factors that are making church challenging, uh, not the least of which is technology, not the least of which is attention spans, not the least of which is the cynicism and skepticism towards organized anything, let alone religion, uh, not the least of which is just the hyperbolic nature of the 24-hour news cycle and the way that religion is portrayed and represented, uh, not the least of which is just the, the rate and the busyness of our lives altogether. There's so many difficult things that go into leading a church that go into even being a part of the church, even if you're not on staff with the church or you're within some sort of kind of lay or leadership of a church. There are lots of challenging dynamics. And so all that this means is we don't live in a spiritual vacuum. We have forces that are resisting in many ways any meaningful or positive vision that we try to accomplish, and certainly any level of faithfulness that we want to have to Jesus, to the mission that he's laid out to us. We know that it's going to come with resistance. We know that it's not just going to be smooth sailing. We know that it's not just going to be a perpetual motion machine, right, where once we set it in motion, it's just going to always stay in motion. We know that there's just going to be uh, the forces working against us. There's inertia that we have to deal with. Um, all those things are coming into play. Uh, Murphy's Law, you name it. So what I want to talk about today is what a lot of churches are doing at this time of year, which is recasting some of their vision and looking at their vision statements. And for some of them, they're crafting them. For some of them, they're recommunicating them. A lot of churches take this New Year's time to either speak individually to their members or speak collectively as far as, uh, as, as a church and to try to really rally the troops and bring everyone back together on board for who God has called them to be and what God has actually called them to do. So I wanted to offer a few thoughts on this time of year. I'm hoping that it's widely applicable, that this is not just meant to be a podcast that's for pastors, um, and it's not just meant to be a podcast for people who aspire to be pastors, but I think this has leadership implications all across the board. I think leadership is leadership in so many profound ways, and there's lots of things that I've learned for people outside of the church world, and I know there's uh, some things that we can be able to mutually help each other with in this whole kind of category here. So let's Let's talk a little bit about vision looking into the new year. Let's talk a little bit about what that looks like, both maybe from a maybe the like a, a leadership level, a pastoral level in a church, an executive level in a boardroom. And let's talk a little bit also about what it looks like to follow that vision or to be receiving or carrying out that kind of vision. Because I realize there's a lot of people on maybe all sides of that spectrum. So as we begin to look at vision, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. It's important to recast vision and to make sure you're doing it consistently. And whether you kind of arbitrarily pick January because it's the beginning of the year, whether you pick like September, October-ish, because that's the beginning of fall, the beginning of the school year, whatever sort of annual rhythm or seasonal rhythm that you have it is definitely important because one of the most 
fundamental uh, properties of vision is that it leaks. It always, always leaks. And you never are able to set out a vision without it having like dissolved or becoming really diluted very, very quickly. And so it's important to keep reiterating the mission. And one of the reasons it's important to reiterate the mission is be- and the vision is because it is giving language that is specific to your context. Now, no matter if you're running a business or a church or just your family or your own personal life, we all have very generic visions that are strikingly similar. We're looking at success and defining success in somewhat similar ways, depending on whatever industry we might find ourselves in. I mean, within the church, it's not like we have a whole lot of material to reinvent every year because we're looking back at the pages of scripture and we're looking at passages like Matthew 18. We're looking at passages like Acts chapter one. We're looking at the words of Jesus. We're looking at texts that are very familiar, very famous. A lot of people who have been following Jesus for a while know quite well. And so it's not as if we're trying to reinvent the wheel here. It's not as if every church can just define for itself what its actual vision is and do so incredibly uniquely from any other church that might be around the block or within their local setting. But what does happen when you really invest the time to look at the vision of your life, of your ministry, of your church, of your small group, whatever level of leadership that you're at, no matter where you're at in your life, what it does is force you to give more specific language to your life, to your ministry, and to your context. People need to be excited about something that is not just generic, but they feel is specific to them. If they're hearing just a tagline that is applicable to everything, they need to know that that everything is inclusive of them in some very tangible level. There's a really important principle that I was actually taught by one of the pastors that I served uh, when I was a very young Christian. And he, I'm sure he learned it from somewhere else as well. But he said this, everyone's vision is no one's vision. And he said this, everyone's invitation is no one's invitation. And he applied this to several different aspects of how we did church. One of those most specific ways was in how we cast vision for all of our different volunteer needs and servant teams that we have within our church. And the basic idea that he said is if you want to get on stage and basically present a one-size-fits-all invitation to everyone in the church, what's going to end up happening is everyone's going to listen to that invitation that you give, the need that you might have for more servants, and everyone's going to be able to hear it, depersonalize it, and assume that it's for somebody else. Everyone's invitation actually becomes no one's invitation. And so the reality of casting vision is that what's it It helps to distinguish, to differentiate who you are as a local body. Now, obviously, you need to be faithful to the bigger vision of what God might want to call his church to on a broad level, but you need to give some kind of specific language to it that matters to you, that really burrows deep down into your gut, right, and really starts messing with you a little bit, really grabs hold of you a little bit. It needs to be something that when you share it, you can share it with a level of conviction and power passion. It's something that's contagious. And that can vary. That can vary significantly. And so giving time to think through this thing, giving time to make sure we communicate this thing can have a radical, radical impact. And you'll see this from church to church, ministry to ministry. You'll see this from person to person in their own life, even business to business. There's people who rely on extremely generic versions of vision statements and just assume that that's going to carry them through. And there's other people that really do the energy and effort to express something 
something personal and unique about a general vision and how it might apply to their specific company. And when you put that energy in, you're actually going to connect and resonate with people on a far more personal level, and you're going to draw far more people into it. Everyone's vision, in my opinion, is no one's vision. There has to be something about a grand vision that that actually meets people where they are, that speaks a language that they're really passionate about. And sometimes that language needs to be tweaked from time to time. Not often, not all the time, because that just gets extremely exhausting when leaders are always having to tweak the language of their vision like every few months or something like that. But we need to have something that we can really grab a hold of and run with. So spend some time this year. Think about your life. Think about your church. Spend some time thinking about whatever context you find yourself leading and think about your vision. Where are you going? Where is it that you see having this ultimate future that you would define as being successful? Where where is it that God might want to take you even in this new year? Give language to that. Is there something that really grabs hold of you, that really that really moves you, emboldens you, and if you are emboldened, if you are passionate, that's going to leak, that's going to be contagious, and that's going to draw more people into the equation. So casting vision helps to give language that is more specific to your context. Secondly, I also think that casting vision on a regular basis, if not now, hopefully on a regular basis throughout the year, reminds us of who we are and where we're going. It reminds us of who we are and where we are going. Uh, For me right now, as I'm leading uh, Grace City Church in Corvallis, Oregon, we're actually going through the book of Ephesians right now in a sermon series and using this even enveloped in the idea of of our vision and where we're looking to go for this coming uh, calendar year. And we're looking at the book of Ephesians because it is offering us a beautiful paradigm about the reality of the relationship between identity and our lifestyle or behavior. Who we are is one of the greatest determining factors in actually how we live. And so when we are deeply reminded about who we are, when we're called to the when we're called out, when the core of our being is highlighted and spotlighted, when it's pointed to, when it's drawn out, when it's shown all of the glory and honor and worth that it actually intrinsically holds, that is what I believe helps to realign how we might actually want to respond in terms of some kind of outworking behavioral um, disposition. It, casting vision needs to remind us of who we are and where we are going, because how we live is going to be most greatly influenced by who we are. Now, the book of Ephesians is brilliant at that. Anyone that's spent any amount of time uh, in the specific book of Ephesians, you might be very new to the scriptures. We have a lot of people in our world uh, here in Corvallis at Grace City, and I know a lot of people that I get the privilege of talking to that have zero familiarity with with the scriptures and tons that, and some people that have lots of familiarity and then all points in between. But the book of Ephesians is just simply a letter found within the New Testament or the latter part of the Bible, um, and it's basically divided into two chunks. And the first chunk is a letter written to a collection of churches reminding them about who they are. And then the second chunk, the latter half of it, is saying, therefore, since this is who you are, here's then how you should live. And this is just a brilliant way to go about transforming our lives. This is a brilliant way to go about understanding human nature and what really rallies us to become the fullness of everything that we've been called to be. And for us, that would be in Christ. It's reminding us that if we are forgiven, therefore, 
therefore we should live in very merciful, compassionate, and forgiving ways. But just simply reversing that order and telling people, you know what you should really do? You should be very compassionate. You should be way more forgiving than you really are. It's just going to load people down with a burden of religion. It's going to load people down with a burden of guilt and obligation. It's going to load people down with the weight even sometimes of condemnation when it's carried too far. And it's never going to carry through to actually becoming a part of something that people are passionate about doing, that people really see themselves being enveloped within. It's just going to be an add-on thing to their life that they're going to have to use the word should to describe all the time. And I think should is one of the worst words that is damaging to the Christian religion. It's damaging to the Christian faith, and it's extremely damaging to the way we live our lives for Jesus. And And I'll put it like this. Every time that we use the word should, we, I should be more forgiving. I should be, uh, I should be more kind. I should be more compassionate. I should be more generous. Every time we use that word should, we're just loading ourselves down with this weight of obligation. Oftentimes that we feel like we have to live up to under our own power, which goes directly in contradiction with the good news of Jesus is that he actually encounters us first by his love and by his grace. He makes us new from the inside out. And out of the reality of what he's doing on the inside of us, he wants us to work that out on the outside of us. And so Jesus doesn't just say, be more forgiving. Jesus starts from the point of giving us a radical forgiveness. And when we experience that deep down in our bones, it's something that you will not help but be able to express outwardly. And so reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ constantly is the engine that helps us to make sure that our our lives are actually being lived according to how God has designed us to live. So vision helps to do that. Vision helps to do that. Uh, We are greatly influenced by our identity. And here's another very practical dimension of this is oftentimes, especially when you are around leaders with really big visions and want to do really great things and want to go to really cool places, but that might be a a long way off in the distance, so to speak. You're going to encounter something that churches often encounter, which is the idea of burnout. Any organization can encounter this. This is just simply where people have worked so hard or so long at something that they they burn out. They get tired of it. They want to just drop the weight, discontinue, and just exit the game entirely. And this happens to very well-meaning people that take on loads of burdens that uh, that they just cannot carry for the long haul. But the idea of burnout is a very, very interesting thing, and it needs to be paid very close attention to. Um, I've been close to it in my life. I've known a lot of people that have gone full on into it in their life, and there's a lot of wisdom that you can gain from people that have gone through it so that you can avoid it even in your own life. And uh, this is probably something that we need to talk about more in depth in a future episode. But the very simple idea that I want to lay out today is that people don't just get burned out by a function of how much they're just doing on a raw level. It's not just a function of they're doing too much, they're going to get burned out. That's not that's not the only factor or even I would say the main factor that's involved. The main factor of what burns people out is not how much they are doing, but why they are doing it why they are doing it. Do they have a vision for why they are carrying this weight? In, in essence, if you're just doing something, not knowing that it's accomplishing anything greater, if there's no vision that that's leading to, you're going to burn out far quicker than people that can see the long-term vision, know the progress that they were making, and being encouraged along the way. 
Let me, uh, let me put it like this. Uh, one pastor, uh, uh, I believe Tim Keller is the pastor that, uh, that, that laid this out. And he, he said, imagine two people sitting in a room that are called to do an identical task, build a widget. And they're called to build a thousand widgets a day, right? It's just a really grueling, mundane, and boring, boring task. Now, you can imagine yourself sitting in a room by yourself, building a thousand widgets a day, getting extremely bored, and eventually burned out in a very, very quick level. But if you take those two people doing that activity, and you told one of them that they're going to make $100 a day, and you told another of them that if they do this for you know 40 hours a week for 10 years, that they will earn $10 million, you tell me who's going to get burned out quicker. In other words, if you increase the vision, if you increase the reward, if you increase the size of the prize, right? It's not like people are not going to get fatigued and tired, but people will be able to endure when they see the progress that they're making toward a grand goal. And vision is critical for that. Vision and the communication of that vision is critical for that. There was a, an experiment that was done with some Israeli soldiers several years ago, and it was done in regards to soldier morale. They wanted to explore uh, basically how to keep soldier morale high, and so they sent four different groups of soldiers out on a 25-mile hike. Now, one group was told that they were going to go 25 miles, and then they were given frequent updates about how far along they were and how close they were to being concluded all along the journey. Another group was actually told they were going to go 50 miles, but then once they reached the 25-mile mark, they stopped. One group was told um, they weren't. One group wasn't told any distance that they were actually going to go, but they just kept pushing them forward and forward and forward, and it seemed like it was just going to be an indefinite march. But eventually, they stopped them 25 miles, even though the group never knew how long they were going to go, how far they were going to go, or how far along they were along the way. And the last group was told. Uh, they were going to go 25 miles, but at the very last minute, they were told it was going to be more. So at the very last minute, I believe they were told they were going to go like 15 miles or something like that. And at the very last minute, they were told it was going to be 25. Now, they surveyed all four groups, did the exact same thing. Same groups of soldiers, same levels of training, same level of physical conditioning, and they all hiked with the same packs for 25 miles along the same trail at different times, though. And what they found, that the group that was told how far they were going and given frequent communication and updates about the progress of that, they had by far the highest morale. They finished their hike in the best physical and mental and moral condition. They were doing quite well. And as you would imagine, the other three groups did far less than that to varying degrees. The group that did the worst, the group that had the most physical and mental and morale problems was the group that was not told how far they were going and never given any update about how long in terms of progress they actually were. They were in a really bad spot. And the other two groups were just either extremely discouraged or distraught. They just, their, their mental, their physical, and their morale health were, were not simply as good. And this is really important to learn. This is extremely important to learn. That one of the big differences between churches, between organizations and companies, between families, between individuals, is not how hard we're working or how many hours even necessarily we're always putting in, but it's about the goals that we're actually going towards and whether or not we're evaluating those goals on a regular basis, whether or not we're communicating those out to our people, whether or not we're reminding ourselves of those things. 
If you have any kind of a goal in your life, whether it's to eat better, eat healthier, to exercise more, whether it's to watch less uh, Netflix or things of that kind of sort, whatever you have, there needs to be some way that you have to measure it on an ongoing basis. Because if you have a big goal to lose 50 pounds or 20 pounds or 10 pounds, you don't just want to wait until the year comes to an end on December 31st and stand on the scale to see whether or not you've lost all that weight. You want to know that there are checkpoints along the way, and you want to see that progress is being made. You want to see things that are encouraging you and reminding you to keep going, to stay on the path. There needs to be some kind of reward system in place along the path of the journey that's reminding you of who you are and where you're going. And this leads me to my next point which when you are reminding people of who they are and where they're going, you need to encourage people and thank people because likely the vision that you're going to recast is not brand new or entirely new. And so people have probably been walking and carrying out part of that vision for at least some length of time. People need to be thanked. People need gratitude. People need some demonstration that you see what they're doing, that what they're doing is being acknowledged by more than just God who happens to know everything but that leaders see what they're doing, acknowledge what they're doing, and are thankful for what they're doing. And when you do that on a regular basis, not only casting vision for who people are, therefore where we're trying to go, but when you're acknowledging all the hard work or all the sacrifice that has gone into get you where you are even to this point, boy, does that go a long way for you. So I really encourage you to remind people of who they are, where they're going, and to give a lot of thank yous along the way. Next. Recasting vision encourages us, uh, I think, encourages everyone to go all in and not just cherry pick. Um, when I originally thought about what I wanted to do for this podcast, I started just with the idea of cherry picking Christianity because of a specific situation that had come up recently um, in, in my own life. And I wanted to communicate this out on the podcast and realize this was going to go a lot better, part of a larger picture of really just casting vision for a new year. But I, I really want to drill down this, this point home because I think it's a really important one. Christianity in our day and age is becoming something, has become something, I think, due to the individualistic and consumeristic nature of our culture that has become very prone to cherry picking. Now, cherry picking, some of you know what I mean by cherry picking. Hopefully most of you know what I mean by cherry picking. I come from an athletic background. I played a lot of basketball when I was growing up. And so if you played any basketball growing up, you know exactly what cherry picking is. But cherry picking is basically when someone stays down right by their basket, never goes back on defense, just stays right underneath the basket. And so anytime their team gets the ball, they'll just lob the ball down the court and then they'll just shoot a two foot little shot before anyone else can get back down there. And they, they basically, lazy. They're never running back down court. They're only staying where they want to be so they can score all the points so they can have it easy, but they never want to do the hard work of rebounding or playing defense on the other end of the court. Cherry picking is just simply picking the best parts that you like and leaving behind everything that you don't. And church is so easily finds itself in this category, but true entrepreneurs, true leaders, uh, People like in these categories know that there is no such thing as cherry picking when you are trying to lead a company, when you're trying to lead anything for that matter. You have to be willing to do anything and everything to make it all come together. And you know that there's no sense of wasting any energy. And so within a church community, if it's led well, 
if it's given proper vision and if it's executed well by the leadership, uh, then it's not going to have a whole lot of wasteful time. There's not going to be a whole lot of wasted programs or energy or resources and finances going in any direction, not adding value to the vision itself. What this means is when we come to church with the idea that we can just cherry pick and take out of church what we like and leave behind what we don't, it is actually hurting the vision because there are specific things that the church is doing that is meant to holistically contribute to the vision. And when people just simply want to cherry pick, they're going to leave behind some critical components that are necessary in order to fulfill the greater picture. Let me give you guys a couple of examples. Everybody, this is normal, okay? So this is normal. Don't feel guilty about this at all. But everybody has their favorite aspects of church. Everybody has their favorite aspect. For some people, it's prayer. They're just very passionate about it. In fact, you you might even be someone in this category and just feels like that, you know, if there's one thing the church does not do enough, it's pray. If there's one thing that you could say needs to be done more, it's pray. If there's one thing that is so critical and essential to achieving anything mean uh, worthwhile for Jesus, it would be prayer. And that's awesome. And I would like, I don't know a whole lot of, you know, meaningful Christians that wouldn't agree with that. But the problem is if you want to cherry pick and say that prayer is the only thing that matters or say that I will, I'll show up to any prayer meeting. I'll show up to anything involving prayer. I'll get together and pray with anyone, but I'm not really interested in doing anything else. You're going to short circuit a whole lot of other things that have value. There's a whole lot of people in our world right now that uh, are really into the charismatic dimensions of the Christian faith. And so for those of you maybe not super familiar with this, uh, the charismatic dimensions of the faith involve a lot of the demonstrations and power of uh, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. So these look like signs and wonders, healings, miracles, praying for really obvious signs. Um, and so there's there's people that are very, very passionate about this. In fact, I've come across a lot of people in the last, this isn't just recent, I'm not just picking on anyone specifically, uh, but in, you know, in the last 20 years, I've come across uh, several people that for whom all they care about is just chasing down the next experience with God and his power doing something really incredible. And as far as they're concerned, unless God is doing something crazy like healing someone of a disease or healing someone's physical injury or unless he's doing something miraculous through the power of prayer in someone's life or unless we're encountering the presence of God through some really radical sort of worship uh, gathering and, and it's just this very meaningful, um, experiential, emotional, you know, presence of God sort of charismatic moment, then there's just, there's just no value to it. And so I know people that have cherry-picked Christianity so far that they're willing to exclude every other dimension of it if it doesn't regard anything, uh, if it doesn't have anything in regards to signs and wonders in the whole charismatic sort of dimension. Um, I know people that uh, they're a part of church and what they're really looking for is a community or maybe a family or just a friendship peer group. And so they're in it for the relationships, but they're not really in it for a whole lot else. Uh, I know some people that uh, are really into the mission aspect of the church, uh, both reaching out to the community and also doing justice work. Um, and that's, as far as they're concerned, that's all they're really interested in. And so the problem comes when we pick our favorite aspect of church, but don't embrace the fullness of it. And I would argue that everything I just mentioned needs to be embraced by everyone. We can all have our favorites. We can all have things that we put the majority, maybe even of our passions and personality behind, and maybe even where we give the weight of our leadership and energy and so forth, and even some of our time we can when you can major in these areas. But you, could, you can't just simply choose to do the mission of the church without doing family and community within the church. You can't just simply choose to be all about the 
the charismatic signs and wonders, but care nothing about the theology and the scripture and the learning and the teaching that is necessary to develop our thinking and understanding of who God really accurately is beyond the just subjective emotional experiences that the charismatic dimension can offer. It's important that we do not cherry pick. And what vision does is it removes all the clutter around all the other circumstances that are not adding value to who God has called us to be and where he's called us to go. And it really focuses us in on what we need to do together in order to achieve that vision. And it removes the option of cherry picking. You can't just come on Sunday and be a part of seeing a healthy church community achieve its mission. You can't just come to the small group and think that you can be a part of a church achieving its mission. You can't just come to the worship nights or to the prayer meetings. You can't just come to the uh, community outreaches or the ways that maybe you're serving in the community. You can't cherry pick because all of those things have value. You. you are welcome to have your preferences, but you're not welcome to have your prejudices. Let me say that again. You're welcome to have your preferences. I have mine, but you are not allowed to have your prejudices. You're not allowed to completely dismiss vital aspects of whatever organization you're in for, for this context being church. You're not allowed to dismiss that just simply because it's not your favorite. And we have to be very careful that we don't slip into the extremes of our arrogance, thinking that we can justify our preference as somehow God's chosen and preferred preference. I tell you what, my attitude as I've grown up has really been softened, and I know that God has really had to humble me in a lot of ways, because as I look out at a lot of different kinds of churches that are out there and ways that church is done by a lot of just, and I'm talking about sincere, Jesus-loving kinds of churches, they, they can look different and express different aspects of, of Jesus's mission of the church. And uh, it's just easy because I have my passions to judge other churches that don't express those passions. And I, I just, I have to be careful in my own heart that I don't cherry pick, that I make sure that I'm taking on the full vision that God wants for me, that God wants for my church, and that I step into all of it. And so one of the big things that this means, and for, I think, something that's led well, is that we're not adding on just a bunch of frivolous activities that are not adding value to our vision that might be scratching some needs of people's preferences, but are not actually adding value to the vision. And once we've done that, once we've reduced things down to a minimalistic level that is really all adding meaning to who we are and where we're going, well, then we can reduce this cherry-picking mentality, reduce the selfishness and the arrogance that I think is laden behind it. We can grow up in maturity together, realizing that uh, I need every aspect and dimension of church. I need the relationships. I need the mission. I need the power. I need the prayer. I need the worship. I need the teaching. Um, I, need the, I need the small groups. I need, you know, I need to reach out. I need to ex- express uh, my faith outwardly in, in a positive way to the world. All these things are needed for me to become fully healthy and mature and to really be a part of something that is healthy and mature as well. So everyone needs vision because it's going to help them to not just cherry pick and help remind them of how important the entire vision is. And uh, and I know it. I know in our church world today, especially with how many podcasts are out there, and this is going to sound extremely ironic and maybe possibly hypocritical given that this, this is a podcast that I'm on right now. Um, but podcasts never replace pastors that are live and in person. They never replace being in a room, a physical room with people um, and and doing community, breaking the communion elements together, um, diving into the scriptures together, 
loving your city or your community together in practical ways. Um, it just it can never replace that. Um, and so for anyone that's just doing the occasional Sunday attendance, but just diving out of the rest, or for anyone that has just become more suspicious of the large kind of gathering of the church and, and just wants to do the sort of small, small groupy thing, or anyone that just has any dimension of church that they've that they've really globbed onto and just neglecting the rest, um, I, I want to encourage you to really seek out a bigger vision than that and jump into that. And in that, I think you'll, mind, you'll find more of the fullness of who you are and who you're made to be and what you're called to ultimately be a part of in terms of God's actual vision for his people and the world. All right. So uh, a couple more ideas I want to throw out at you guys before we close this thing up. Um, when you cast vision every year, um, one of the things I think that's important to do is hold that vision with a level of humility and reinforce that there is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. And here's, here's what I mean by that, you guys. You know what's really funny? And when I talk with pastors who are really honest with me, um, not that some pastors just flat out lie to me, but there's plenty of pastors that if you really dial down into, into the bedrock of their vision for their church, and they'll tell you point blank, yep, there's just not a whole lot new under the sun. Trying to find language that fits for your local context and ignites a sense of passion in your own soul is extremely important, but it's also important to acknowledge that we are not the latest and greatest thing to show up, and we cannot just reinvent God's vision every single year. And there is nothing new under the sun, meaning this. From the earliest days of the church all the way back in the book of Acts, they had a regular rhythm of meeting in the synagogues and from house to house. They had a regular rhythm of meeting on Sundays uh, in a larger type of gathering and then meeting from house to house throughout the week. So whatever pattern that a church has of meeting on Sundays and doing some form of small groups or Sunday school class or something like that, right? There's just a, not a whole lot new under the sun. Now, granted, there can and should be nuance, distinction, differentiation, specific vision, language, everything that goes into how we do Sundays or some kind of a smaller environment of community, fellowship, or maybe even mission and outreach. But let's just be really, really clear. And maybe this is a little bit of the cynical side in me is I get very, very uh, tired of pastors that think that they're going to completely reinvent, go back to the drawing board and re-envision what it would look like to do church if we really got authentic. You know what? Going back to the drawing board and really looking at things, I think those are all extremely positive things to do. Just don't let it carry over into the category of arrogance where you think you found some entirely new paradigm of doing church. And I know compelling people that can communicate with you know, just a really sharp words, how church can fall away from some of the central things that God has called it to. And, and we need that as a church to be called back to, to be the true people of God and to be doing everything that God has called us to do. I, I get that. Um, but let's also have a little bit of humility. And I would also say this, if in order to convey your mission, you essentially have to throw the church of Jesus Christ at large, or uh, any other church in your community specifically under the bus just to make your vision look good, you don't have a very good vision. Meaning this, if you basically have to criticize and destroy and completely deconstruct the church of Jesus Christ as it currently exists entirely just to make your vision look better, 
um, you don't have a very good vision. Your vision should be able to stand on its own legs. Yes, it is important to contrast what you mean by your vision and what you don't mean by your vision. Yes, it's important to highlight that there are ways that church has done, uh, like a cultural atmosphere that can surround church at times that isn't healthy that you might be trying to differentiate from. Yes. However, I think my generation and the generation coming up behind it at times has been so cynical and critical that it's actually not ever cast vision for something better. It's just been really good at deconstructing that which has come before them. And I've, I've yet to see, and this is just personal and anecdotal, so don't take this as universal or objectively true across the board, but I have personally yet to see any healthy church survive for any meaningful length of time that is simply just a reaction against church that's defined itself against something that's broken, unhealthy, or wrong. Church needs to have something healthy and good and true that it latches onto. And I've seen multiple churches that have come and go, even in my own local context. And if I'm being brutally honest, and if I think if the people of those churches were honest, a lot of the impulse for even that church beginning in the first place was out of was out of a deconstruction of what they've been in before, was out of pain and disappointment of what they've been a part in the past. And in reality, they were just more aligned together based on what they were against church looking like than actually having a vision of what they wanted to be. Um, so I would say, have a little bit of humility with your vision. Make sure you're not just being too critical of everyone else just to make your vision look better. Your vision, if it's good, it should be good without having to critique everyone else's um, and just throw yours up against some caricature of someone else's. Um, that, that should be able to stand on its own. And you'll know, you'll know when you're casting vision, whether in doing so, as you maybe have to differentiate yourself from other churches, either in your area or at large in healthy ways, you'll know if it's healthy or not based on whether you're able to honor those churches and speak well of them. Even if you have to critique them slightly or do it delicately or with wisdom or grace, and that can be done, you'll know whether or not you're actually able to honor them. Because I think there's, by and large, almost every church has plenty of things that can be honored about them, even if they don't represent the fullness of everything that we think church should express and do. Um, so, um, vision is incredibly important. And I think we need to hold it with a lot of humility. And uh, I actually just want to finish out with a few last thoughts, not just for church leaders and their vision, but for people who follow that vision. Because there's typically a lot more people that follow vision than are up front maybe giving vision. And there's a lot of people who are a part of forming vision uh, than just the people who might be communicating that vision. And here's a really just from, from my level as, as a leader, from someone who has been a follower for a long time and has followed some really great uh, leaders, men and women that I've really looked up to and respected and learned a lot from. Uh, here's just a few thoughts from, from a follower still who's, I'm a part of a, of a family of churches where I, I follow, where I don't get my way or my say or to have the lead in every room that I'm, that I'm in. Here's a few thoughts that I have, uh, maybe from the other side of the coin. When you're receiving vision and, and hearing vision, whether you're helping to form it or, or you're just kind of hearing it being, you know, passed, passed on to you. Don't knock it until you try it. Don't knock it until you try it. I think it's really important to keep an open mind about vision. And there's some people that are just predisposed to be very positive and agreeable. And there's other people that are predisposed to be a bit more negative and cynical. And 
I think both are needed because I think both are needed to, in a healthy way, challenge the process, not just kill everything that wants to be born, but to make sure everything that born is strong and refined. I think both people are needed. But let's just be careful that we don't just destroy every form of vision without giving it an authentic and honest try. Um, Secondly, your verbal support matters. Your verbal support matters. I mean, I can't tell you how many times as a follower, I regrettably allowed the first words out of my mouth when vision was cast to be critical. It's not just pandering or brown nosing, but when someone puts a lot of prayer, energy, or work, or time into casting vision in any setting, that alone should be honored. That is a service that someone is doing, trying to create a vision to bring more people together and to unify them in a positive direction. That should be at the very least honored, even if the actual details of the vision is garbage. Honor them. Let your verbal support for the leader and for the thing that you're a part of the church, let it be evident and even if you do need to offer your criticism and feedback, which I want to talk about in a moment, let it be in the context of being a consistent verbal supporter. Uh, now, as a leader, um, you find oftentimes, especially as your church grows and you're not able to have as much of the one-to-one individual contact with everyone in your church, sometimes all you get is very brief and passing moments with a lot of people that you lead. You don't get to spend as much personal time with them as you might want to. And I'll just say this. You can use your brief words to tear down or build up. I'm, I'm honestly not looking for a rubber stamp to just pass any idea that I have or any vision that I, that I cast. But what I am looking for is encouragement because what I struggle with most is discouragement. And I know that it's true for an a lot of leaders. Your verbal support matters and don't forget it. Don't forget how hard it is to lead. If you yourself have led in any position, you know how tricky and difficult it can be. And if you're so perfect at it that you can't identify with that, um, then you probably need to leave and go lead somewhere else. Um, but uh, just remember how much, how much, uh, how vulnerable a leader is when they're at casting vision. Because um, at the end of the day, everyone might say, no, thank you. And that's just that. And uh, so it's a vulnerable position to cast vision. It's an, uh, it's emotionally vulnerable, putting yourself out there, your passions out there uh, for people to either jump in with or reject. Um, so yeah, let your verbal support be abundant and, and loud and clear. Um, and then secondly, you need to be honest. You need to be honest with all of your feedback. You should be honest with all of your feedback. But I'll tell you um, that... I've found that as a follower, my honesty is always better received when my ownership is known. When someone knows that I'm in and I'm a, I own this thing, um, I think about just my commitment and my sacrifice uh, to, to the churches that I've been in, uh, even the jobs that I've had growing up. Um, even within family of churches that, that I'm in now. And I think about the sacrifice and the commitment and what I've done to support vision that it isn't my own. When my ownership is evident, I find that my opinion is much more welcome. 
and my honesty, even my critical honesty, is actually desired. I've, uh, I've actually had leaders tell me, Seth, I know, I know you own this thing. I want to thank you for your sacrifice to this thing. And I got to tell you, I need you to criticize. I need you to be critical. I need you to be as honest as you can with me because I need to make this better. And that level of invitation is raw and it's a holy and sacred thing for a leader to invite someone to do that. And it almost always comes when a leader feels a level of trust with someone because they see the sacrifice and ownership they carry with it. So keep that in mind. You might have a whole lot of honesty. Maybe you're frustrated because your leader doesn't hear it very well. And a lot of leaders just don't out of their own insecurity and everything else going on. I know I'm not perfect at it. But just keep in mind, think about your ownership. What does your commitment and sacrifice look like uh, up to this point? And if you could focus in on that even a little bit, it will elevate the stock people will hold in your opinions and in your feedback. Um, and then here's, here's, the, here's the last one I'm going to say. I always think when it comes to vision and feeding back on vision that I, I do. As a leader, I have a filter. Um, and one of the filters that I listen to is I know that there's some people that feedback and just tell me what they kind of personally think uh, about things. And there's some people that I know when they feedback, they're not just thinking about themselves. They're maybe somewhat thinking about themselves, but they're thinking about their friends. They're thinking about people that they're leading. They're thinking about, for us in a church setting, uh, they're leaders who aren't just thinking about themselves, but they're thinking about their neighbors and think, man, I would love to invite my neighbor to this event or to this gathering or to this sort of atmosphere. I would love to invite them to that, but my problem with the vision is it may not be as attractive for my neighbor to come. It's a little bit of a tougher invite for me to make. And when I find that people are actually thinking about the bigger mission beyond themselves, that to me is brilliant. That to me is brilliant. When someone just comes and, and expresses a personal preference, that has value to it. I'm not dismissing that. But how much greater value does it have when it says like, hey, I'm down. I'd love to be there, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know how excited I am to invite my friends to that. Or I don't know how excited I am as a leader to convey that with people that I have influence over. I'm there because I'm committed. But for people who aren't committed, for people who are on the outside or the fringes or the margins, here's where I see it have a tough time connecting. And those people are gold because those people will be the ones to help you refine your vision and actually make sure that your vision is reaching everyone that it's actually meant to reach and connecting with everyone it's meant to connect with. And maybe it even is helping to craft the language that will be most resonant for the local context itself. So, uh, Think about all these different things. Don't knock it till you try it. Think about your verbal support. Think about the ownership that you're demonstrating um, and how much your honesty is being invited versus you're just thrusting it upon people. Think about not just yourself and your own preferences, even when it comes to joining in with the vision, but think about whether that vision is actually going to line up with uh, the, your participation in it and maybe your leadership in carrying that vision out even to the margins of whatever organization or church you might be a part of. Uh, I think considering all those things are so helpful. You will bless the socks off any leader leaders. Uh, if you just stay humble and kind of follow the context of everything I laid out uh, from, the, from the earlier portions, I think we can lead some really healthy organizations. I think we can keep vision from leaking um, in our organizations, and I think we can really help to move forward in all the great purposes uh, that we are destined for. So with that all being said, I'm looking forward to 2018. Let me know what you guys are looking forward to 
to in 2018. If you want to drop me a line on social media or send me an email to sethtrimmer at gmail.com, uh, that would be awesome. I'd love to hear what you guys are looking forward to or what's been helpful so far in this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening in. I'm going to wrap things up here today. You can follow me on social media. You can see everything in the show notes uh, down below in your podcast feed. But I'm looking forward to the future episodes to come. we got some great interviews that are coming up in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. But grace and peace to you all. We'll catch you next time.